Well, buckle your seat belts today, to be honest, because um, I think we might go for a little bit of a ride. Hopefully that's, hopefully it works. But um, I, I, I think that I want to start off in Psalm 91. And it's, it's obviously, it's a very popular Psalm. I think it got really popular during the pandemic. People were quoting that a lot. Um, just, just, you know, no sickness will befall you type of, type of mentality. People were really, really standing on that. But um, Psalm 91, it's, it's many things, but it's a psalm about being so surrounded by God, and it's also a, song, a psalm about being so surrounded by the enemy at the same time simultaneously. And it really is, um, as we'll come to see, like it's, it's a wilderness psalm um, that there's a lot of ancient Jewish writings, uh, you know, I'll misquote, you know, the Midrash or whatever, but um, that attribute the psalm to Moses and that David re re rewrote Moses' psalm. And um, it's, it's this beautiful, beautiful psalm that has so much symbolism in it, but it has so much more than, than what maybe even I have known it to have in it just on the surface. And I personally, I'll start us off. I had an experience that I, I kind of call my Psalm 91 experience nearly 10 years ago, nine or so years ago. And um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to tastefully um, kind of share the story, you know what I mean? Without, without it being weird, but but I had this experience when, you know, when we first moved here to start this church and right beforehand, I'll tell you, um, there were some people and there was even a minister that had a pretty large ministry here, large church here, that kind of got the idea that I was coming back, that we were, that we were going to move here and start something. And, and we didn't really have much association, but I knew him and he had been through um, several church splits and things and, and, and didn't have a great... I wouldn't say a great reputation as far as integrity and, and this sort of thing. And he kind of gets wind that we were going to come here and potentially start something. He, he started inviting me to come. And I, hey, I want you to come, come speak at my church, come do these things. And um, I, I really didn't feel right about it, obviously, you know, and I, and I hardly knew the guy. But I was like, well, I feel like, you know, the Lord's called me to do something and, I, and, I, and we're going we're gonna to come back here and we're going to do these things. And and he, and he really persisted, and he's like, I want you, you know, you're the mouthpiece, and my, my, my own, he had a bunch of young adults for, for children that ran his ministry, but they also, you know, had used to be under me in a, in a previous ministry years and years ago, and he's like, I, I want you to come, and, and, and my, my family, they, my kids listen to you more than they listen to me, I want you to come here and, and do this, and I said, hey, it really wouldn't be right for me because I, I knew the origins of his ministry. I knew how he had started out of these splits and things and some real dishonest things. And I wasn't trying to call the guy out, but it's just like, hey, that's, that's not something I'm wanting to be involved with, you know. And, and, you know, I felt like I had a blueprint from the Lord, which was you come and you start um, kind, of, kind of biblically with a group of people that you're just discipling, kind of like a Bible study. And you don't advertise and you don't try to get your name out where and you don't network. And if, it, if the Lord's really called you to do it, you know, it will, it will grow into what it's called to be. And so that's the way we were going to do things. And so I just politely a couple times told him, you know, no thanks. You know, this is what I, what I'm going to do. And, and, and he's like, well, I feel like you're called to this. And I was like, well, this is what I'm, and I, I just shared, this is what we're doing. We're moving out there and, 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 and we're praying about really coming and starting something. So once I, I didn't agree to stepping into this, 
ministry. And, 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 I, and I had to share why with him. He's like, well, why not? And I was like, well, I don't feel like it would be right. You know, I feel like it was birthed out of a split and all these things. You know, he pulled it out of me. I wasn't trying to come at him or anything like that. But he, came, he became so enraged, and it was kind of a surprise to me, um, that he began to threaten me and threaten me about coming to the city and threaten me about, you know, starting a ministry. And, and if you do these things, I'm going to refute you to the pulpit. And I'm going to tell the people what you're telling about them. And I was like, hey, but like all these things that weren't really true, but it's like, hey, man, I'm just giving you a reason. I'm, I'm not agreeing to join up with you, but I'm, I'm just starting something different. And we don't know each other. And he didn't even live in Tyler at the time, lived a few cities away. So it was like, it's not a really that big of a deal. And um, so long story short, we ended up that kind of died down, but we ended up coming and starting just a handful of us starting a Bible study, kind of what we, what's happening today, but without the music. And, you know, instead, you know, instead of me sitting in front of a crowd of people, I was sitting, you know, we're just sitting at a pool house in an apartment complex, right? Didn't advertise. It was just people we knew and we were just discipling in the ways of the Lord and the scriptural teachings and, and, and walking this life out, you know? And so, but there, there was so much projection and there was so much mudslinging about us in this city something I normally wouldn't talk about, but I feel like it's fitting for today. A anyhow, and, and I'll get to that, but there was so much of that, that that projection almost, it had, it had, I had carried something of a fear everywhere that I went because there had been bad things said about me and bad things projected about what we were doing and all these things and that we were against this church or that church and we had literally nothing to do with any of it. We were just coming to try to be obedient to the Lord. And so we were doing that and we had our Bible study, our, our church, our, you know, what we call a church plant. It's not like the American church plant. There wasn't advertisements and signs and banners, flags, you know, we didn't rent out of space. And you know what I mean? We didn't, it was none of these things. There was nothing in our own strength that we were really doing other than just being faithful to the Lord and trusting he's going to add to it if it's of him. And so it was, it was kind of strange to be such a small group and to get so much so much uh, advertisement, you know what I mean, um, just for teaching the Bible and stuff, but it, but it caused an insecurity in me that I was carrying, even in public, that like, you know, when you'd be, oh, hey, I'm sure you've heard about me, or, you know, that kind of thing, which was so blown out of proportion and not even real, but it was something that I was carrying, kind of a vulnerable spot, but it was something that I was carrying that I, I didn't even consciously realize how badly I was carrying it. Does that make sense? And so I was walking around with this mentality and um, even this, this, this guy, and, and I will never name him or anything like that, and his ministry was large and stuff, but I mean, he's not even here anymore. He doesn't even, he's not in the city. To be honest, he's not even in this state anymore. His thing kind of took a dive. And um, so anyways, what ended up happening was that I was praying one morning, and I had what I will call this Psalm 91 experience. And I was listening to some music in our apartment. We lived at the Brook Hollow yeah, huh? you know, the Brook Hollow Apartments back in the day, you know what I mean? It doesn't really have a brook, but it has this, this, um, this, this ditch that's dug out through the place, so when it rains, it's like it has a brook that blows through it. Anybody, you guys know what I'm talking about. It was, when it rained, it was like, man, this, we got a riverfront property, you know? It was like the Tyler drainage system ran through there. I'm dead serious. It was fancy. It was fancy in a storm is what it was, you know, it was really cool, so, but I, we liked it there, and, and, and the lady that was the manager just let us have the pool house for, for our little meetings, you know, so anyways, one morning I was praying, and I was listening to music, and um, as I'm praying, I, I'm, I'm kind of drifting off, as many as you probably do, I start kind of drifting into the spirit, you know, I start seeing things in the spirit, and 
and it's and it's involuntary. You're not like I wasn't necessarily even looking. I was just in in the presence of the Lord, kind of with a heart of worship, but just connecting to Him. And I see this in my mind's eye, this dove, the picture of this dove. And, and this is how, when I have visions or even dreams that are from the Lord, a lot of times my, my natural mind will try to rationalize what I'm seeing. Even if it's profoundly spiritual or prophetic, sometimes <laughs> the, the, the dumbness of myself still, it still exists in the moment, you know? And so I see this dove and, and, he's, and, he, and he's kind of coming near me in this moment and as he came near me my my thoughts my mentality was like why a dove though you know why not like a bald eagle or like a hawk or a falcon or like a pterodactyl or something ferocious why but why a dove you know that's that's my mentality like it's yes i, I the symbolism the spirit descended upon the lord jesus and i was like yeah but why wasn't it like a bald eagle it's like a real american way of thinking why wasn't it something with big talons you know something powerful you know my mind started to think of this as, as I'm just seeing this as if it's in my room, in the living room. And this thing comes up behind me and sure enough, it's larger than me. And it completely engulfed me. It wrapped its full wings around me from behind and completely, it's, it's as if it swallowed me up. And as I'm having this prophetic experience that I'm sitting therein, I feel the absolute absence of fear. And there's something that I, that I say in here a lot about the presence of the Lord, teaching people to just connect with Him. Sometimes you don't realize what you're carrying until you feel its absence. We don't realize the tension or a fear or anxiety or pressure or, you know, it can be so many things. Sometimes we don't realize what we are feeling, insecurity. We, we become used to carrying it until we're in His presence. And it's, and it's almost like His presence is the absence, it's complete covering, complete peace, and it's the love of God, which is what he said when the dove came upon Jesus, this is my, this is my beloved son, you know, which was the name, <laughs> you know what I mean, that God gave to David's son, Jedediah, means beloved, of course, they want to name him Solomon, I still never know why they named him Solomon when God named him Jedediah, but that's just a whole other thing, there's something to it, but you know, Jedediah is like, it, the beloved was, was, was a mark of who Jesus was, but it's also us in him, the completely and totally covered and loved of God. Really, we talk about identity so much, it's like John the Apostle, his identity became the disciple that Jesus loved above his own name. He called himself the disciple that Jesus loved, which is, which is brilliant. And as a young man, I never understood it because it just felt like, you know, charismatic, wishy-washy, too overly spiritual and kind of feminine, and I just couldn't get it. But now there's, there's something so pure and beautiful about the Holy Spirit who bears witness, Romans eight sixteen says, that we are this beloved of God, the children of God. Amen. And I'm experiencing this reality as I'm sitting there praying in my living room, listening to some music. And, um, it was this beautiful thing where I, I literally felt the absence of fearful insecurity and I did not know that I was carrying it until, you know, we talk about, you know, 2 Corinthians 3 where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. A lot of times you don't feel the bondage or, the, or something we're carrying until we're in his presence and then it's lifted and it's like, we didn't realize we weren't breathing with our whole set of lungs. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, we're breathing with short, you know, short, high chest breaths, not with our full diaphragm. It's just like when the spirit 
when the presence of your dad is there, you realize the covering and the safety of dad. And in that moment, I felt so courageous. And to be honest, I had this thought in that moment, I felt so high up, like I was high above the earth. And it would, it, I remember thinking, I can never be afraid again. I'll never be insecure or fearful again. When you have some experiences like these, sometimes you get caught up, like this is, gonna, this is the way I'm gonna be for the rest of my life. Now that didn't last, I'm just gonna be honest. But not to that level, you know, I'm not walking around just constantly just, you know. But, but I felt that way in the moment. This is how I'm gonna be forever. This is what I'm like. I can never be afraid ever again. You know, it's, I'm under the shadow of the Almighty's wings is how I felt. And um, the absence of insecurity, I felt so confident and so indestructible, which is Psalm 91. He who dwells, which is to abide and to live in the secret place of the Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's, he's, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my God, in whom I trust. He'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, which is a metaphor of like sudden traps that will be set for you. People are worried about stuff popping off on them, some random thing happening to them. This, this, this psalm covers everything. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll take refuge. You won't be afraid of the terror by night, which is the name of a demon, nor the arrow that flies by day, which is also the name of a demonic entity, Lilith, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, which is another demonic name, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. And so this psalm, it's, it's often been, been written and, and spoken as a, a song of evil encounters in the old Jewish writings. It literally goes through and lists, you know, demonic presences that were supposedly known to be given influence throughout the different times of the day. And um, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, and it, and it won't come near you. Only your eyes shall see. It's like, it's like there's this place of abiding in the Lord because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. No plague will come near. It's like, it's like indestructible, like not even sickness, plague, death. You know, there's nothing that can touch you when you've stepped into the reality of what it means to truly abide in the Lord. And that's what this psalm's talking about. Amen. And, um, the, you know, the ancient Jewish writings that attribute it to, Mo, to Moses that I quoted earlier, they, they say, especially the, the main one that's the most believed, is that Moses wrote Psalm 91 um, after the tabernacle in the wilderness was finished and he first came inside of it. He first walked up in it. And it was like this, this reality that even in the wilderness, in the place that you know, in the ancient Near East and in those times, the wilderness was the, the dark places, the places of the demonic, the places of, of, of the wild beasts of the field, the place where there was no safety, um, is that like they were literally led by the God of the wilderness, which is what El Shaddai actually truly means. Um, but they were led by him into this place where they were like, they were so engulfed by abiding and being aligned with him that it didn't, know, didn't matter what they were surrounding or where he was leading, they were in complete and total covering and safety. And Moses got this. There's, other, there's another Midrash that, that literally talks about, you know, Moses wrote this when he went into the cloud on Mount Sinai. Which it's the same type of thing. It's like he, he became so engulfed with God that he realized he was completely and totally safe from anything. And it all goes back to abiding in our true nature and who we really are. He will give his angels charge over you. They shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread on the lion and the cobra, which was the wild beast of the wilderness. Um, because he has set his love upon me, 
I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call to me and I will answer him. I will be with him in a time of trouble. I will deliver him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation, which man, he did live a long time, Moses. But um, anyway, so I'm having this experience, not, not, not even knowing what I'm having. Like, why, is not a ter- why aren't you a pterodactyl anyways? And then, oh, you know, and then, and then I'm engulfed by the thing and like, I'm like pulsating with this feeling of confidence and peace that I did not realize I was carrying a bunch of anxiety and fear because a lot of the projection and I, you know, uh, the church game, the church scene, the church, the field, this field, I, I, I think people don't understand a lot of times it's extremely, um, can be extremely territorial and treacherous, you know, more than most probably businesses can be. And I was young in the game, and I didn't really, really understand this. But man, I was, I was getting a front row seat to what that looks like. And I was told things like, yeah, if, if you start a church and people from my church, I'll just consider it a tithe if they come to yours and all these things. I was talked to like this in a way. I didn't know people talked like that in the Christian walk, <laughs> let alone like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not coming for your people. You know what I mean? It was, it was such a mindset change. But that projection and that insecurity that was in me, the Lord was allowing to feel afraid and surrounded. But he was also allowing me to feel like what it felt like to be fully and totally in trust and abiding in him. And I'll tell you, when I look back at that experience that I have, and this is a side note, with the Lord in that experience, what was so profound about it, this confidence or this this lack of fear, what marked the experience was the gentleness of God. It was not the, the bald eagle, pterodactyl, God's, God's the, the line of Judah, powerful. It was like the gentleness and humility of God that was on me, that he was touching me with. Um, it made me feel so incredibly safe and loved and protected. And it enables us to be able to love other people. When we're not in fear, insecurities, we can actually move about life no matter what's projected or whatever's swirling in the atmosphere, we can love anybody we encounter because we're never looking down, you know. And I, I was listening to a, a Modest Yahoo song where he was actually just humming. He's, he's a Jewish singer, but he's, he's not even a Christian. But it's just like he was singing these, out of the flame in the name of Judah. And he was singing like in a real high voice, from the line of King David. And it was just real gentle. And all I listened to when I was young was like rap music and tough guy stuff and like, you know what I mean? If you get scared, you pump yourself up into tough guy stuff. So I'm, I'm listening to this Jewish man sing in a high voice with, you know what I mean, curly sideburns and, and I'm just being touched by the Lord and I'm having this vision and then I'm, and I'm feeling this thing breaking off of me and the gentleness and humility of God is like, hey, you don't, we don't puff our chests out in order to, to prove that we're not what the enemy says we are. We just be who we are. And this is what Jesus did in the wilderness. If you are the Son of God, then prove it by doing these things. And he says, you know, he, he doesn't cooperate with that. And see, we can live this way. And that's what the message is going to be. I'm, I think I'm going to do uh, Matthew 4 instead of Luke 4. They're both the same story. But for those who want to follow along, that way we'll, we'll be in order. Um, but point number one, the nature of God is the stronghold of the Lord. A stronghold is the safe place, you know. The nature of God, we think about, oh, I've got to wake up and pray and put on the armor of God, the shield of faith and the, and the gospel of peace on the feet and all these, all these things. Um, these are aspects of the natures of God and walking with Him. 
It is a transparent armor of the breastplate of righteousness. It's completely transparent and open. It doesn't hide and look tough. It, 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 is, it, it, it is the imager's outfit that releases who God is, his nature, his goodness, his kindness, his love, his gentleness. And um, the nature is, of him is our stronghold. And Jesus demonstrated this as the firstborn of many brethren for many to see. Because even in that Psalm 91, you know, that's the very psalm when Jesus went into the wilderness. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and that's Shaddai. And, um, you know, the reality of that Shaddai being the God of the wilderness, which I've, I've never, I had never really known that my whole life. You've heard it like the, you know, the nurturing one, the word for breast in Hebrew, and, and, and you're translated as the Almighty. Um, but the reality of what that name truly means, thanks to the Dictionary of Deities and Demons of the Bible, you know, but, uh, you know, the God of the wilderness, Jesus is the God of the wilderness, and he's going as a man into the wilderness, being tempted by the God of this world. And the God of this world is actually prodding Jesus with Psalm 91. So he, here's, your, here's your psalm about dealing with darkness. Use it on me. Or use it to prove yourself. And it was a perversion of the word of God that Jesus didn't give into. So we know that Jesus goes into the wilderness in Luke 4. Oh, and by the way, better back up, because I hate when I tell stories and I don't tell the whole thing. I had never seen that minister that was talking all that noise about me um, since we had been here. And we had been here for several months doing what we were doing. And that morning I had that experience with the Lord, with that dove, <laughs> you know, and I was meeting a friend of mine uh, at a gym that we worked out at. We were going to go lift weights that, you know, on our lunch or whatever, whatever time it was that day. And when I walked in after having this experience with the Lord of this confidence and, and losing this insecurity, this deliverance, so to speak, that, that minister that threatened me was there. I'd never seen him. You know, this is a pretty big town. I'd never seen the guy. And I walked in and he was there. And didn't say anything to me, kind of just, you know, kind of shot away or whatever. But I literally, I didn't feel what I had used to feel, you know. And I walked over to him and I said, hey, good to see you guys. You know, shook his hand, shook his wife's hand, you know. Showed them love because it was almost like this test, this litmus test or whatever you want to call it. Like, like I wasn't coming under that. I was still able to love people. And it's like, it was, it was literally, I had that experience sitting in my living room you know, laced up the old shoes and, you know, and went to the gym and dude was sitting there. Hadn't seen him forever. And so anyhow, the stronghold of God is the nature of the Lord. But Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness after he was baptized. And it says he was led there to be tempted by the devil. Um, and he demonstrated Psalm 91. You know, you have the devil who comes to him and I, I truly believe was literally trying to figure out who he was what he was exactly because there's many sons of God many of Benial he, and, and he didn't know that this mono Ganes, like this one of a kind that there was a distinction about this one that he wasn't like the other ones and, 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 and he, was, he was literally coming there to test him if you are the son of God command that these stones become bread because he knew he hadn't been eaten for 40 days to which Jesus answers him but he really doesn't he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he literally just 
tears off a scripture out of Deuteronomy 8. It's almost like if you could see him there, if he had his Bible in his hand, which they had scrolls back then, but this is just an analogy, and the devil says, hey, do this, make these stones become bread if you're the son of God. He just, he goes, tears off Deuteronomy, hands it to him, and turns around. It's like almost like he doesn't really engage him with his own words, in a sense. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty, the shadow, the hidden place, the secret place. It's like the devil's trying to, trying to poke him and trying to get him to prove who he is. Man, this happens to so many people. This is what insecurity is really about. This is what projection and manipulation is really about. And instead of actually entertaining it, so to speak, he just, he's so hidden under the shadow of the Almighty that he just pushes the Almighty's words out to him. He, he, he pushes the God of the wilderness out to him. That's his answer. Then the devil takes him into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. You ever think about what that means? You know, we just kind of read that kind of quickly, but so this, this Elohim, this, this, this fallen watcher, this whatever the devil was, somehow had the power to transport Jesus, you know what I mean, into, into Jerusalem from the wilderness where he was in the middle of nowhere and set him on the pinnacle, the top of where the temple was, you know what I mean? He's 100 feet in the air, you know what I mean? Just like... All of a sudden, you know, if we watch this the way, you know, George Lucas would have made the film about it, our minds will catch up to realizing that, hey, this isn't just like a, you know, he's not on the top of our church building, like looking down in a, in a, in a picture of his mind. This is, this guy, he's being translated around. He's, there's, there's some real power and some real stuff. And, and the devil really is kind of putting his cards like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a big deal. I'm a big deal. And the Lord's allowing him. Because he's kind of sifting him and tempting him in all kinds of ways. Many of them aren't listed. So he brings him up and he says, and he says to him, if you are, there it is again, the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he'll give you. So he quotes Psalm 91. He'll give his angels charge of you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. In your hands, they'll bear you up. Jesus comes with Deuteronomy 6 this time, right? Tears it off again. It's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Just, just passes him a note. Just, yeah, there's my answer. You know what I mean? He wasn't triggered. The goal of the enemy is triggered. There was no insecurity in Jesus. He wasn't like, I'm going to stamp your head someday. It's my destiny to smash your head. You're talking like that to me. You should be bound to me. You'll see. You'll see. This wasn't a UCF preliminary or UFC prelim boxing match. Pre you know what I mean? It was just humility and gentleness and somebody who was completely whole and confident in himself. Mm. Shall not tempt the Lord your God. Yeah. I don't, believe, I don't believe he truly knew who he was. Actually, the Bible says that, right? First Corinthians 2 says, if, he would have, if, if the ruler of this world, which was him, would have known, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He knew he was a son. He did not know the Lord of glory. He did not know Yahweh was embodied standing in front of him did not know, and he was poking to try to find out what he was, who he was. You smell like a human. You stink like a human. I know, you're, I know your flesh is strong. Their flesh is strong. You know, for thousands of years, when, when, I, when I deceived Eve, when I deceived them to eat of the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, your lineage has been poisoned, and your flesh is strong. I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. 
you know. And Jesus says, no, I'm in charge of this vessel. It's the walk of the Spirit. Yeah, he is, he is a bad dude, Jesus is. He's incredible, okay. Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. Did they walk there? Mm-mm. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Like, wow, that must have been a real high mountain. For him to project an open vision or trance, however, the, however you want to look at that, to where he comes into a high place, possibly even a supernatural place, and takes him to the place where he could see the kingdoms of the world. It's a, it, these stories are so beautiful and incredible when you look at them through the lens of somebody who's not very intelligent, who's just reading it, you know what I mean? We've just read these things so long and been taught them, so we just read through, yep, yep, this test means this, this test means this, you know what I mean? It's just like, but in reality, it's like this was some panoramic, prophetic, weird things happening. This powerful entity was taking him through, trying to show himself. All these things I will give you if you will fall down and you will worship me. Imagine that. The king of eternity. The creator. If you were here last week or have listened to that message last week, you know, in John 1, the beginning of the word, the word is with God and the word was God. By him, everything was created that was made. This is him, you know. Here's all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, and they've been delivered to me, which they had been. Adam and Eve, who had who had the, the mandate to be fruitful and subdue the world. And, and, and they had this reality, gave him the keys, and he was now the ruler of the world. All these kingdoms have actually been delivered to me, and I will give them to you. Just bow down. Just submit yourself to me. Just worship me. And man, this was the test. It was, it was, it was, it was like, hey, listen, I'm going to make your life miserable hell. I'm going to fight you in everything you do. But right now, I can give you the easy way out to being the king of the world. I'll let you be the king of this world, but I must be your God. You know, take the easy way out. Like I will, I won't spare anything. I'll even, I'll have you beat, tortured and crucified on a cross. You know, I'll do all these things, but he didn't really know that the joy set before him, Hebrews says, Hebrews 12 says, Jesus expected that to happen and wanted it to happen because he was, he was so in love with us that he was going to redeem us all. So his threats and his promises of, you can, skip the, you can skip all the trial. It doesn't have to be a war. Just submit to me and I can give you this place. You want to be the king of Jerusalem? You're like this messianic king. Whatever this means, we're searching the scriptures. We don't fully, under, we don't fully know all of these demonic beings, we don't fully understand it, but we're, we're, we're searching them. We know there's a king coming. He's going to be king. He's like, but I'll give you all the kingdoms here and now without all the pain of it and the war that I plan to unleash if you don't bow down. The easy way out. The easy way out. We could do a message on that, but we won't. Just take it easy. You don't have to deal with these things now. Anyway. Away with you, Satan. Get behind me. It is written, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. <clears throat> there goes another word, Deuteronomy 6. Then the devil left him and, and, and it says he, 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 was, he left him for another opportune time, is what it says in Luke. But it says then the angels came and ministered to him, you know, whatever that looks like. I love Mark 1, it says he was in the wilderness 40 days in Mark 1.13. 
and he was tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, beasts, and the angels ministered to him. That's all Mark says. You know, this story's in Matthew and it's in Luke. But this wilderness, the wild beasts, this whole thing is a picture of us in the Christian walk stepping into our identity. And here Jesus, he's like, he's projecting Psalm 91, my identity, my person, I do not change according to my surroundings and the pressure that's put upon me. You know what I mean? And it's like you have Adam who was put in the Garden of Eden, which had boundaries, but they were to be fruitful, multiply, subdue to the rest of the world that didn't. And, and, and this beautiful place where all they had to do is, you know, they had access to the tree of life and all the other trees for fruit. Food was in abundance. They had balance with nature, with animals. He named them. He lived with them. There was no fear. There was no, <laughs> there was no turmoil. And even the most perfect scenario, Adam, which is what God called Adam and Eve back then, but um, mankind, they, they, they chose to disobey that free will, which is a beautiful thing, but they, they chose the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, thinking it would give them power. You know? and, um, but here you have the last Adam. You know, the book of Mark is full of these type of Easter eggs. But it's like, who is also in the wilderness? You know, And he was tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels. So here's Mark's actually saying he's actually in the deserted wilderness, which is the place of haunting. That's, it was like the place of haunts. It was, the, it was a fearful and scary, uncertain place. And where the first Adam was in the perfect place, the last Adam was in, was in the absolute most unperfect and threatening and scary place, not with animals eating out of his hand, but, but with wild beasts, with the devil himself, and yet he's being led of the Spirit as a son of God in full, complete, and total submission to, to the Lord, no matter what's around him. is full, full and perfect obedience and abiding in his true self. And it's a complete and total opposite to the first Adam. But it's the champion himself. And the Christian walk, I mean, it really is the wilderness. You know, it's, it's the Psalm 23, like, if I'm on the green grass in the, in the quiet waters, or if you leave me in the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, it's like, there's, it doesn't matter where I'm at, it, it, it matters who I'm at, who I'm with. You know, it's this, I'm abiding in the Lord, and so my nature, my person doesn't change. And we as Christians are called to not be bipolar. We don't have a bipolar God. We have, we have God who is one, who is agreed, who is love. And we can walk in the wholeness of this identity everywhere we're at, no matter what the circumstances, and manifest the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the wilderness is about. John the Baptist knew this. Isaiah knew it. <laughs> you know, John comes preaching the kingdom in the wilderness, talking about make way. In the wilderness, make way, it says in Isaiah. In the wilderness, make way for the kingdom. In the desert, make a highway. It's like, it's like the, the kingdom didn't need the technologies and the comforts of this world. It is completely and totally other than, and it transcends this world. And this is the Christian walk. It's an authority over all of the demonic as well. I love that. I, we have this book now, the, the Dictionary of Deities and Demons of the Bible. And it's a textbook. It's like, a, it's like bigger than a phone book. It's like really massive, and it's like... It's like 500 bucks, you know. It's like, it's only in like, you would only find it really probably in like the, the library of, of a seminary or Bible college and stuff like that. But uh, 
your boy got one, you know, we yeah. So we got one and it is so, so cool the way it breaks down all of all of the names from from the Akkadian, the Egyptian, the the Ugaritic, uh, you know, Phoenician stuff, the, you know, Hebrew, Aramaic, all these different names and titles of the scriptures and of the Bibles. And, and even when I was reading Psalm 91, it was kind of hard to get through because it was just like when I was reading the title of, of, of these things that were like the terrors of the night, these are these are specifically talking about demonic beings throughout the entirety of Psalm 91. In Psalm 91, it's, it's like listing through all of these, you know, call it Jewish mysticism or old Jewish writings, and specific names that were given to the gods of the Canaanites and, and all these other places. And it's, it's very, very specifically tagging so many of these demonic things that Moses is, is articulating in the wilderness, if Moses is really the true writer, which it really seems that he is. Um, but it's like, it's, it's articulating all this authority that's in God, even being surrounded by all of them. And he's talking about the God of the wilderness. And it's just like the Christian walk is the wilderness. And, it, and, it's, and it's this, this massive, um, uh, how to articulate that? It's, it's this, not even an, an analogy, but it is an analogy of like the Christian walk, no matter what we're surrounded by in this life, we're called to be complete and total overcomers. But the aspect of abiding in God, like Jesus said, if you abide in me, and if you don't, you can't do nothing, but if you do, you'll bear fruit. You know, that was, what, two weeks ago? It's like the aspect of abiding in him is abiding in our true nature and being fully and totally at rest in the love of God for us, the beloved, to where we are like, we are like machine guns of heaven everywhere we go. Because we're never looking for our needs to be met. We're always looking to release. The wilderness is the Christian walk. The last Adam, Jesus, walked in complete opposite way from Adam. Adam walked in the garden. He was in actually a wilderness. <laughs> Jesus with the wild beast, which Mark, some of the commentators remark, act like he had, you know, he was confronted by wild beasts while he was out there. But he obviously didn't have much problem with them because he was the God of the wilderness. And, you know, Adam had fruit trees, Jesus was on a complete fast. Adam walked and talked with God. <laughs> Jesus was walking around going in trances and visions and being translated and transported by the devil himself. You know what I mean? The wilderness was a demonstration that his identity didn't conform to his surroundings. Also, he had no allegiance to his flesh. I absolutely love that. He was in charge. His spirit. Not his physical desires. Not hunger uh, not fear, not pride, not lust. Another point is there's no safer place, no more secure place than being at rest in your identity in Him. None. Everyone wants to go to, well, there's an, there's an open heaven in this city in Moravian Falls or you know, Jerusalem. Or, you know what I'm saying? Maybe some of those things can be true. I don't know, man, but I know the open heaven, what I truly believe the, the open heaven is abiding in the Lord and being in, in obedience to where he's called you to be in life. That's where the open heaven is. And that's where direction comes from. That's where the voice of God is, is giving you direction. We don't give direction. Last time I checked, I'm not a general, but the generals don't give direction to people who aren't soldiers. You know, the Pentagon's not mailing and emailing directions to, to people in Afghanistan that aren't generals and leaders. You know what I mean? Because these people have an allegiance 
that the Lord is their shepherd in Christianity, but these people have an allegiance to like, they're going to follow through. And when your heart is seeking first the kingdom above all things and walking in obedience to the Lord, your heart is to follow through, you receive the direction of the Lord. That's John 7, we can break that down, but it's not, it's kind of here or there, just, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's no safer place, there's no, there's no more open heaven, there's, there's no more purity of hearing the Lord's voice than walking behind the shepherd because he feeds you what you need to be fed. Follow through is so crucial in this walk of relational connection to God. It's so, so crucial. And, and another thing is like all the insecurities and fears that we deal with, they come from a place of not realizing how loved and beloved of God we are and how truly covered by God we are. And um, just that voice that's in our heads, well, if I'm, if I'm really a son of God or a daughter of God, then why, then why is this and why is that? But, but it's like, you know whose voice that is because he used the same thing on Jesus. If you are a son of God, then do this. You know? Yeah, everybody, it's like no one has to prove who they are when they are what they are. We just got to be. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a city that is set upon the hill. You know? There's something in the finished work of God that's actually true rest. And it doesn't matter where you're at. Because true rest is actually faith. When we put our faith in the, in the finished work of the Lord, what He's actually done for us, that we've been completely loved and accepted, um, it causes us to be at rest in our true self. There's something about being covered by Him that, that, that enables you to not have your eyes on yourself, but to actually look to meet needs everywhere you go. And that's who we're actually called to be. Romans 8, 14, it says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of not being good enough. But you've received the spirit of full acceptance by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We've received the spirit on the inside of us of complete and total acceptance. Another brilliant aspect of that, I've been praying into this one is Romans 8, 16. It says, and he himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. There's this renewing of the mind and even of our spirit that the spirit within us wants to pray within us and actually commune within us and bear witness with our own spirit that we are the beloved and the covered of God. God actually wants us confident. He wants us confident Jesus in the face of the devil himself saying, get behind me. Walking out in the wilderness without, he didn't have a shotgun that weekend I heard. You know what I mean? Jesus didn't have his nothing. You know, he was just out there in a very dangerous, vulnerable place. But there is no vulnerable place in, in the Lord, not vulnerable to the enemy. Like true vulnerability and transparency is our actual humble identity, and it causes us to be in the stronghold of the kingdom of heaven, which is under the, 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 hidden under the shadow of the Most High God, the God of the wilderness. We can actually walk around in the dry places and manifest the rivers of living water everywhere we go. Amen. And that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Fear is something that distorts identity. It takes the identity of, the, of the, the humility and kindness and love of God, and it causes people, maybe call fear insecurity, to project, some, project an identity so that they're not harmed anymore. They're not bullied anymore. They're not rejected anymore. And so it, produce, it projects something in order to, to be safe. 
But that's the manipulation of what fear is, and we haven't received a spirit of fear. Power, love, and sound mind. We, were, we, didn't, we didn't receive the spirit of religious duty going back into fear. We, we received the spirit of full acceptance, and that's the message for today. Who cries out, Abba, Father. There's no, there's no safer place than being you because you've been made and created in the image of God and God's actually with you, you know. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the reality of your truth, of what it truly means to abide in you. It has nothing to do with the climate where we're at. It has to do with where we're seated in heavenly places in you because of what you have done. I ask that even us as a church and everybody listening would step into the reality of our, of our true identity and our true self by being transformed into that identity, by actually seeing you as you truly are. I thank you for your faithfulness and the way you walked, even in the wilderness and the demonstrations that you've given us, and that you are the champion, the God of the wilderness, and that we, we walk in you and have all of our needs met. Let fear be broken off of every person that hears the sound of my voice today. Amen. Mm -hmm.